are listening to a series of unfortunate sequels where we explore the highs and the lows of cinema's most enduring franchises. My name is Rebecca. And I'm John. You didn't do your and lows this time? Yeah, sorry. <clears throat> Gotta warm up my instrument. Gross. <clears throat> la 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 la. <clears throat> and lows. Great. Thank you. That was very good. <laughs> Definitely going to keep that. I'm not going to cut it out. Uh, so today we are talking about the IMDb's lowest rated Mad Max film in the franchise, which was, of course, Mad Max 3. Thun- Beyond Thank you. <laughs> Thunderdome. <laughs> just watched this. I was like, something about Thunder. I thought it was just called Thunderdome. But now I'm glad that I know it's that because it was very little Thunderdome in this movie. There was very little. But it's beyond Thunderdome. So they, they gave themselves a contingency there. It was nice. Exactly. I think it was probably originally called Thunderdome. And they're like, boss, boss, there was only eight minutes of the Thunderdome. <laughs> we need to call it something else. How about Mad Max plays with a bunch of children near the river? N- no, no, that's not going to work. Oh, 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 okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bad title. How about Mad Max? It looks just like Hook starring Robin Williams. <laughs> Mad Max and the Lost Boys. <laughs> that's what it became. We're jumping way ahead of ourselves. We both have so many notes on this goddamn fucking movie, by the way. <laughs> So we should probably start. Yeah, this was not the visual masterpiece (laughs) that Fury Road was, so there's a lot more to critique. No, it was the plot masterpiece of Beyond the Thunderdome. So this one starts... uh, Actually, I wrote that I wanted to start in the opening credits. I was going to say that. (laughs) Because like old movies do, the credits are at the beginning of the movie. And my favorite thing was that there were really great names. So this entire movie feels like it was named by a five-year-old who saw (laughs) pictures of the characters. And then the parent was like, what's this person look like? I don't know. He's got black fingers. Maybe this one's named Blackfinger. Good, 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 good. Uh, What what about this one? He killed a pig, right? Yeah. How about pig killer? (laughs) Spot on again. (laughs) I had never seen the movie, so... I had no idea what to expect from the characters, so I wrote down a few of my favorites. Actually, I stopped the movie and rewound it because I was so excited about the names. I had to read them again. So the first one that came up that was great was Pig Killer. And I get now why someone is called Pig Killer. But at the time, I was like, that's a char- That's what they decided on the name. Uh, another character I liked was Mr. Skyfish. Uh, having just seen the movie, no fucking idea who Mr. Skyfish was. Uh, there was also Slake and uh, Eddie was another <laughs> name. <laughs> Now, I'm going to play a quick game with you. Okay. And I hope that you didn't write all the names down, maybe just those ones. I just wrote those down. Okay. So now I'm going to do a list of names, and one of them is made up. (laughs) See if you can guess the made up name. Iron Bar, Deal Good, Gecko, Gooper, Tauntaun, and Screw Loose. Screw Loose? Ooh, sorry. That is a real name <laughs> in the movie. I think I remember how it was spelt now. I think he was the one with the weird eyes who had the Bugs Bunny doll. <laughs> was that him? I think so. <laughs> what was the fake one? Uh, Gooper. Gooper. Gooper does not appear in this film. Gooper was my next guess because I remembered Iron Bar and Gecko. Specifically, I remembered them. So I knew it wasn't one of those. Another good thing about the opening that I'd, you know, real quick. 
classic 80s synth opening, and I <laughs> loved it. If you are going to hire Tina Turner to be in your movie as an actress, and you do not have her singing the opening and closing credits, what the hell are you even doing? Yeah, this this brings us back to when we get excited about a movie having its own theme song, <laughs> which we miss, uh, and Never Ending Story also had this. Uh, good, good shit. Uh, let's move away from the opening credits. <laughs> There. After five minutes of talking about them, uh, this movie opens up with Max in the desert, of course, and he's been kicked off of a. Was it a cart or a car? Was it? You know, it looked like a cart, and it was pulled by camels. But it, they reference it as a car for the rest of the movie. So I feel like maybe I just maybe they were conserving. He conserves gas by having the camels pull. Mm. I don't know. How did they? Because he's kicked off by a father-son pair, and we don't know anything about. That Like, why were they on the car? Was he giving them a ride? Why were they driving it? How did he get himself in a position where he was kicked off? Max has shown himself in the two movies I've seen of Mad Max to not trust anyone. So, so real quick, just to answer that question. Oh. They flew their plane over his cart and they uh, shot him off of the cart and then jumped onto it and stole it. Obviously. How did I not <laughs> remember? You were out of the room for that. <laughs> I was getting wine, I think. I was like, I already need wine. <laughs> Fuck. And in case you were unsure of where this movie takes place, it's Australia, which they remind you right from the beginning by the overwhelming amount of didgeridoo in the background through the entirety of the opening scene. Just a quick note. John's a music major. I would never fucking in my life recognize the sound of a didgeridoo or know that it comes from Australia. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I hear it in the rescuers down under all the time. Absolutely. Oh, that's a didgeridoo? Yeah. Fuck. That's so cool. Thank you. I You're learned welcome. something from you today. All right. Let's actually get in this fucking movie. Goddamn. So Max goes to a place called barter town uh where he then attempts to barter for his car which he thinks might be here or information or no i'm not really sure at any point and that's gonna be what i say throughout this entire explanation of the movie recurring theme i actually there's so many questions in my notes that i was just writing because i didn't understand uh max is is told that for 24 hours of his time he can get his his stuff back i guess so max is brought to where tina turner lives which is above everyone (laughs) after for the record handing in all of his weapons in a classic mary poppins moment where he just keeps Mm. pulling guns out of his magical cargo (laughs) pants i guess (laughs) that's always a classic like fun action movie little scene though also apparently so they they have like a little a little you know backstory about the you know nuclear apocalypse and everything, but it seems like there aren't a whole lot of animals left. But somehow it seems the most common clothing I saw in all of here was just black leather. Mm. I don't know where they're getting all this black leather from, but man, everyone's got it. Yeah, I don't know because there's a lot of pigs and a lot of people have fur randomly too. But I've only seen one monkey and about nine hundred pigs. Monkey being the most competent person in this entire movie. Mm, does Mad Max always have a pet monkey? Or is that just in this delightful film? God, I wish I could remember. He's certain that, like, that's what was missing from Fury Road. I That dis- could no. have been a five-star movie John, with Monkey. No. <laughs> that is not what was missing from Fury Road. 
Um, so uh, Max gets to where Tina Turner is, who starts asking him questions that I don't understand. And then a fight breaks out. And I think my favorite part is that there's like a comical like guy getting hit in the nut scene. And they even frame it like it's America's Funniest Home Video. Like the close up of his face. Oh, and he like gets it. In the- it's a great uh, like, why is this in this fucking movie? Which is another question I asked myself throughout the goddamn movie. Yeah, and this was one of many uh, physical comedy breaks in the middle of very serious scenes. Yeah, it's very common throughout the movie of like this physical physical comedy is really, really hard to do. Like you need professionals to do that, I think, which they did not hire. Shockingly, Mel Gibson's not a professional physical comedy actor. Uh, Tina Turner tells him that he's passed the test. I don't know what it was. I think he's eating a pear. It, none of it makes sense. And <laughs> <laughs> he didn't. He didn't die. That was the test. Yeah, he didn't die. Someone got hit in the balls. He passed the test. So she asks him that uh, to kill a man, um, and he'll get his stuff back. Uh, but the deal is, he's not allowed to let anyone know that Tina Turner has hired him. Her name's Auntie in this, by the way. I'm gonna call her fucking Tina Turner the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. As I will call Max Med- Mel Gibson. Oh. <laughs> Uh, also, I feel like we really skipped over the fact that Tina Turner has a saxophonist just mm. just on retainer to, to just play songs for her. Just whenever. I wonder if the inspiration for, like, the guitar guy in <laughs> Fury Road came from him. Because he's, I don't, like, what was he doing there? Again, another question. What was he doing there? He was just playing the saxophone, which got destroyed very sadly during the yeah. fight. Uh, you know he was living his best life he was i feel like that also kind of (laughs) ties into another weird tonal mismatch throughout the entire movie which is the soundtrack (laughs) (laughs) shifting between what was basically just the set i mean obviously starting with didgeridoo and then moving on to clanging pots and pans uh, when he gets to barter town switching straight to the sexy saxophone Mm. and then immediately to circus music right after that (laughs) Yeah, the music did not fit anything that was happening in this fucking movie at any point. And like to the it really took me out of it sometimes and I don't notice music like you do, I think a lot of the time, but my Christ. Um so after that, we get to spy on what I start to call the pig shit lab. I guess this town runs on methane, which they get from pig shit. And it is run by Master Blaster, who is two people um a uh little guy a dwarf i guess who rides the back of a giant man and the the little guy is master and the big giant guy is blaster basically just imagine krang from you know ninja turtles oh i don't get that i'm sorry i was thinking about nunu from league of legends (laughs) another another very relevant reference thank you (laughs) so max goes to ooh our cat sorry Max goes to Shitville and just kind of sees how Master Blaster is on a bit of a power trip, I guess. And that's why Tina Turner wants Blaster dead. But she needs Master alive because he knows how all the pig shit stuff works. Why didn't she learn? How is there no one else who knows how the pig... It's just methane. Like, how is it hard? I don't know. Yeah, no no one else got their pig shit degree in this world. It's just just Master. He understands how the pigs go. <laughs> Um, so we see that Max here has a whistle, uh, which he blows and for some reason only bothers Blaster. But obviously this is going to come into play later, but it will never be explained. 
Um, so I, I, I guess afterwards Max agrees to fight Master Blaster. I don't know why he went down there in the first place to like check him out. I, I don't understand. He discovered his weakness down there. Yes, well, why did he go down there in the first place? You know, for stuffing things. Sure, for stuffing things, TM. Uh, and, and Max agrees to fight Blaster. And the only fair way to do that in Bartertown is in the Thunderdome. They don't waste any time getting to Thunderdome. This is not King Kong. You do not have to wait one hour <laughs> for payoff. If you're here to see the Thunderdome, you got it, folks. Yeah, the Thunderdome stuff it happened so much faster than I was expecting. Like, they start fighting, and I was like, oh, like, is this going to be... I legit thought the rest... I legitimately thought the rest of the movie was going to be the fight in the Thunderdome. I was also a little bit disappointed in what the Thunderdome was. It was literally just, like, a cage, and, and people crowded around it. I was expecting something more like Gladiator, like the Coliseums. Or I actually was thinking about, like... <laughs> This is a weird poll. Have you ever seen AI? Absolutely. Okay. So like the area they make all the the robots fight, all the artificial intelligence fight. I was thinking something along those lines. So to get just this like weird cage, it was kind of disappointing. I was like, oh, okay. You know, when you hire Tina Turner for your movie, probably don't have a lot of budget left to build a sweet ass Thunderdome. I mean, I don't know. The Hemel Gibson too. um, Anyway. (laughs) Exactly. That's their budget. I was glad to see where all these references come, though, because, like, the two men enter, one man leaves. I actually had no idea that was from this movie. <laughs> it was just something that I'd heard about, and I'd heard references to the Thunderdome. But So Tina Turner comes down to also see the fight, and she comes down in the most epic way possible. She kind of, like, slides in on this dope-ass chair, is real extra, and she became my favorite instantly, which is disappointing. <laughs> and then you're also introduced to the announcer. So the announcer here is giving his sweet pre-death Thunderdome announcement, mm. which for the record, I, I wrote down random quotes throughout the movie that made me happy, and his <laughs> dying time is here. That was a big hit for me. <laughs> that was a really good one. I referenced him as Dracula Snape in my notes because he looked like Dracula a little bit, but Severus Snape, I don't really know. I also wrote, do they do this long opening every time? Because people seem really excited about the Thunderdome. And this guy's talking for like two and a half minutes just about the Thunderdome. You know, he talks a lot in this. Any any Anytime somebody moves to a different thing, he's always there to give a presentation. And I had different I had different notes on his physical appearance. So, do go on. So if you ever if you ever do watch this movie, take a look at him and let me know if he looks like a combination of John Mulaney and Hugo Weaving. I had to be reminded who Hugo Weaving was because I didn't remember. Um, so the fight between uh, Max and Blaster starts. They're on harnesses, which I really wasn't expecting. And it did not make the fight more badass. I felt like it looked like Peter Pan was fighting his shadow. <laughs> yeah, it had a very global guts feel to it. <laughs> it did. And it was like they did eventually do kind of cool flips and stuff with it. But in the beginning, they're just like banging into each other on these harnesses. And it's not graceful, which like... Fighting's not graceful. Real fighting, for the most part, usually is kind of barbaric, and I understand that, but, like, you're doing it for a movie? Like, we want cool shit. (laughs) There's also some outside casualties in this fight. (laughs) Someone gets stabbed, because everyone's, like, hanging on the, like, cage, and someone just gets rammed with a fucking sword. Yeah, front row seats do not seem like a perk (laughs) of this particular stadium. (laughs) 
Uh, Max eventually does get hold of his whistle, which he blows. And again, it only affects Blaster. Why does it only affect him? There's like 80 people watching the fight. Some people just have sensitive ears. Maybe it's like one of those whistles where it's like you have to be over a certain age. (laughs) But he didn't seem like the oldest one there. Uh, That uh, eventually leads to Max kind of taking over and and winning the fight, and he knocks off Blaster's helmet. Uh, Max looks at Blaster's face and can't kill him. He he looks quite childlike, and and Master kind of jumps into the Thunderdome and says, like, he has the mind of a child. You can't harm him. And and Max does drop his weapon. Showing that Mad Max in this post-apocalyptic world where he has murdered many people probably has more ethics than Mel Gibson as a real person. Oh, definitely. Even though he does punch a woman in the face later, but we'll get to that. <laughs> um, Max does let it, re- like, does reveal there that Tina Turner has hired him for this job. Uh, no prompting, by the way. He just kind of tells Master that. Um, Tina Turner then has her men kill Blaster, and Master is very upset. Uh, and then Tina Turner says that because... Max broke a promise. What was it? Uh, Specifically, she says, bust a deal, get the wheel. (laughs) Bust a deal, face the wheel. Yes, there are a lot of laws in Bartertown, and they all appear to rhyme. (laughs) That is the best way to get people to follow your laws, in my experience. I feel like we need to be doing way more of that. I feel like... Click it or ticket was a good start, mm. but we can go. We could go further. We could do better. I've got just a few. Oh that God! Maybe we <laughs> could. Uh, if you do a bad, we'll make you sad. That's that's one. No, so. no, no. Too vague. Okay, okay. How Too about... vague. What's a bad? Com- commit a murder. We'll make you hurt her. Hurt who? No, no, no. Hurt her. <laughs> like you're hurt. But even more than hurt, you're hurter. I don't know, honey. Not your best. Uh, was that all you had? Yep, that was 100% of them. <laughs> I thought I had gold. Steal some bread. End up dead. Ooh, that was a good one. Thank you. I think that the guy from Lay Miz followed that one <laughs> to a T. So anyway, Dracula Severus Snape also introduces the wheel, uh, which Max has to face, and it lands on Gulag, which Gulag were like labor camps in Soviet Union uh, from way back when. And pronounced slightly differently. Yes. I also don't think maybe they should be using this word for what they do to Max, which is put him on a horse and put a weird headpiece on his head and sent him into the desert yeah they just gave him a weird mascot mask and then just kind of sent him out to die uh, kind of a different thing where the fuck did they get that headpiece do they have to have one for every time someone gets gulag do they just have a room full of these headpieces somewhere i don't understand i like to think so <laughs> that would be the most horrifying room to walk in on and there, let me remind you, there is a room here that is just full of literal pig shit, so... But they use that for power, whatever. Anyway, uh, meanwhile, Master is kind of threatened. Uh, someone else, Iron Bar, I did write him in my notes, Iron Bar is put in charge of the pig shit facility, and Master's kind of just locked up, I guess. He's still needed, so they won't kill him. 
Back in the desert, Max uh, has fallen off of his horse. His monkey finds him because his monkey was released from the sewer. Again, why does he have a monkey? Whatever. Um, And the monkey brought him water, like you said. (laughs) Most competent person in this movie. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. It's like pirates all over again. (laughs) The monkey's definitely the best character. Uh, Max just kind of passes out after walking for a while. He is found and dragged to a civilization full of nice people who yell at each other. Uh, And this is when the movie fully goes off the rails. Yeah, which is surprising because let me remind you in the last part of the movie, there was an entire city that ran on the power of pig shit. I don't think this can be overstated. Uh, Also, real quick, we did gloss over a little bit the scene where... His horse just gets sucked into mm. the fucking ground quicker than Artax thinking about a dropped ice cream cone. <laughs> Reference to episode one. <laughs> and yes, a dropped ice cream cone is the saddest thing I could think of. <laughs> yeah, he gets uh, pulled in the quicksand, which I don't think quicksand works the way it did in this movie. But maybe it's post-apocalypse quicksand. I don't know. Uh, so so he he's into the civilization, which is, has it made in this world, by the way, they live by a river. For all I know about Mad Max is that there's no fucking water anywhere. Although somehow everybody kind of has it. Uh, but this place just lives near water. Yeah, it is. It is a it is a sweet gig they've got. Sweet trees everywhere. Uh, also, this is a second line that I wrote down in oh. terms of awesome. Mm-hmm. Just lines in this movie. When talking about the fact that Mad Max has not said anything, Dave phrased it, he ain't made no word stuff, which is now how I'm going to say that from now on. <laughs> I mean, they speak in, in very broken sentences, which is, is fine and kind of makes sense for them, I guess. Yeah, Max is kind of passed out for a while. The civilization, oh, the civilization takes care of him. They think he's someone called Captain Walker. Uh, they give him a haircut, which I really like because I don't have to look at that wig anymore. He's wearing the worst fucking wig <laughs> in this movie at the beginning. So I'm very glad when he gets a haircut. Uh, Max wakes up eventually and just kind of freaks out. And he runs out of the room he's in and into a sea of children. And it's the creepiest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you got. Just I agree. He starts yelling things and then they echo it back to him. It's like kind of neat. But I also have so many questions. Why are there only children here? Where are all the adults? There's one adult woman that I can see. Her name's Savannah. Some of the other kids are a little bit older. Where are these fucking kids from? Where did they come from? Where are these kids from? Yeah. And this whole like random multiplication of children, it continues on straight to the end of the movie. Mm. Which we'll get into a little bit, but yeah, they they just they seem to have the ability to just split off into additional human beings with no uh, real explanation. <laughs> it's it's very frustrating. Uh, they, anyway, they start Savannah, the one adult that I can seem to find in this world or in this civilization, starts telling the story of the world as I guess she has translated it. They have like a little view picture thing we cannot think of the name of this when you look into the eye holes and you can put like slides of photos and click through them i don't remember what that's called i'm gonna look this up right now okay i'm gonna let you do that because i tried it and i googled some weird shit and got some weird shit as results (laughs) but they have some photos and they seem to think that uh mel gibson is a man in the photo like a pilot i don't know if they i think they think 
these pictures are of the future is kind of what I was getting from this, but I'm not 100% sure. Viewmaster. How did you find that so fucking fast? Because I thought it was called a viewfinder. So I Googled that and Viewmaster was pretty close. Damn. Okay. (laughs) You got that so quickly. Uh, Yeah, I'm still not sure. I think uh, I wrote some notes. None of this really fits into the story. So it doesn't fit into the movie. It has a totally different vibe. It felt to me like it was an idea for another Mad Max film that they threw into this Mad Max film. Yeah, it's kind of like they they did their Thunderdome thing, and then they're like, oh, shit, that was like 20 minutes. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. We need another writer in here quick. Yeah, their fight choreographer was only paid for like three days, (laughs) and they needed something else. Um, They take Max to like the ruins of a plane and want him to fly it? I don't know. And Max just walks away. And then we find out that the the people want to leave. They're like, Max came from somewhere. Let's go out into the great unknown. And I'm confused why they want to leave. Yeah. They, they, they've got this real, like, cherry gig here. They've got this this sweet river. They've got all the... I mean, they, they have a lot of... Uh, you know, their their canteens are made out of, like, coconuts and things like that. So clearly they've got, like, fruit and food here, too. Mm-hmm. And for some reason they want to go back to pig shitville. I don't know. Max tells them that's what's there. And, like, they believe him. And I don't know. Do they not believe him? It leads to, like, a very needless confrontation. And it does lead to Max punching Savannah in the face. Which I, I made me feel very uncomfortable. And I'm not against, like, men and women fighting equally in a movie. It's done in Fury Road. Uh, well, Max fights Furiosa, but it's done in a way that doesn't feel gross. Whereas in this movie, like, she was unarmed, I think, and, like, just trying to leave. Like, why didn't he want her to leave? Was he trying to help her? Punching her in the face and tying her up, not that helpful. Yeah, he just kind of straight up cavemans her. He just, like, decks her and throws her over his shoulder. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't love it. Uh, so Max, I guess, falls asleep, wakes up, and is told Savannah, and some others are missing. So he and a few people, and by people, I mean little children, follow him, and they catch up to the group uh, who have found the <laughs> epically fast quicksand. And uh, one, they lose a child in it, uh, Finn, the only child that had a name, I think, or one of the only ones. Yeah, which, for the record, I, again, I'd, I'd like to state that they were living next to a river for some reason... This group that that set out to find Bartertown, they decided to do it without water. So Max had to uh, kind of bring all the water he could carry with him. Like, what? Why? Why not? You're going into a desert. You have all the water you could possibly need right next to you. I guess we won't bring that. Who needs it? Yeah, we're told they brought very little water, and it doesn't. I don't know. Like, what else to have to carry? Just carry water. Uh, anyway, they, they, Max says your only chance is to go to Bartertown. Maybe they're too far away from the civilization to go back and get water. Bartertown's closer. They kind of see it in the distance. Um, so they kind of sneak in through the sewers and end up in the pig shit place. I was really starting to gloss over my notes at this point because it just got so dumb. <laughs> so they, you know, go ahead. I will say this is where the third of my favorite quotes <laughs> came. <laughs> Which, so we mentioned they kind of talk in their own dialect, and one of the phrases that they kept saying over and over again, which I assume translates into like, this is a waste of time, mm. was, this is jerkin' time. 
Yeah, they literally say this is jerkin time, which, you know, that's what we're going to call masturbation from now on, everybody. It's jerkin time. <laughs> it it seems kind of like if you ever look at those old like DC or Marvel comics where just words kind of meant different things back then. You know, like mm. you, you see people talking about like, oh, Joker, Joker has the biggest boner in the city mm-hmm. whenever they're talking about like mistakes they made or like, oh, all Captain America needs is some stiff dick from Iron Man, <laughs> which is like some straight talk, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely seems like one of those situations. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, so they take over the pig shit place, uh, free master. Um, they, they, get away in what I thought was Max's car, but it looks like a train. And Tina Turner leads a bunch of cars to chase him down. Uh, This is when we get the car chase scene, which I was expecting at some point, except it's a lot more comical. I mean, it's still kind of impressive for like the time. And you can see that like a lot of practical effects were put into work. It doesn't look bad. I would say I was expecting it to look worse, especially coming after Fury Road. But like they just put a lot of really comical parts in it. Like I, there's like a guy gets hit with a frying pan in the face a couple times and it has like a cartoonish like tooth missing like like moment where he looks like all dazed at the camera. It's like, why? <laughs> and there is a so for the record, it, I feel like it did also lose a bit of teeth given the fact that it was literally on rails. <laughs> but there was also a dude chasing the train in one of those hand-powered carts. He catches up to this train pretty easily, let me tell you. Like, props to that dude. Yeah, dude must have been fucking buff. <laughs> Real jacked. Uh, so they uh, kind of lose the cars for a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to describe the intricacies of the car train chasing because it's not very exciting. But it ends up with them... They, they get to, like, the end of the track. They stop the train and find the little boy who threw Max out in the very beginning. And he has, like, a secret underground lair that he lives in with his dad. So Max and his crew of children uh, jump down there. And uh, Max, you know, tells the guy that kicked him out of the cart, like, hey, you have a plane. Let's go get in your plane. So they, they try to escape in the plane, but there's too many people. So Max gets off the plane and goes into his car instead, or a car. I, I don't know. There's a car there. He gets in a car, and he drives it into the enemies, and the plane is able to take off. And then as Max is laying there, easily killed, Tina Turner's still alive. She kind of looks down and laughs at him, and she's like, Heh, look at us. <laughs> Have a good day, and then walks away. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, you know... <laughs> <laughs> after after the danger had passed the plane also makes a second kind of uh second pass over him which i thought maybe like okay well i'm gonna pick him up now that now that tina turner has driven away but nope they just they just flashed <laughs> him the deuces and, and kept going i don't know if maybe they, the plane wouldn't take off with his weight i'm not really sure uh the plane ends up flying into like old ruins of of city and uh, I think the civilization just in the end, this is the very end of the movie, the civilization by the river seems to have moved into an abandoned building. Again, don't know why. There's no water here. Uh, do they not know what you need to survive? And that's like kind of the end of the movie is they're like, oh, we must know where we came from. And I'm like, sure, I guess. But I felt like the city ruins, like, I don't know, really pulled me out of like this Mad Max world, I guess. Yeah, it wasn't the best but you i mean you've now successfully finished two mad max movies so the big question i have for you 
What is Mad Max's last name? Max. His first name is Mad. Good guess. <laughs> but I'm sorry. His name is Mad Max Rockatansky. You just made that up. No, that's bullshit. I'm not taking it. I, I reject that canon. <laughs> I even checked Fury Road to see if they kept his last name in the credits for that one. They did. Oh. Rockatansky. <laughs> That's terrible. Whoever came up with that, you should be ashamed of yourself. Uh, so I guess this begs the question, did you like Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome? I still can't remember the name. I keep wanting to call it Welcome to Thunderdome. <laughs> Welcome to the Dome. <laughs> I think I would give this. I don't think we're at rating yet, are we? Oh, oh okay. Just did you like it? I liked it more than I liked Never Ending Story 3. Whew, we're just starting, so our bar is low. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I'll give you that. I liked the beginning of it more. Um, I didn't like the river people, the civilization near the river. Yeah, I think this was a solid two distinct movies. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. <laughs> Did you have any questions about it? So... Now that you have seen the highest and the lowest rated, how do you think this one compares to Fury Road? It's substantially worse than Fury Road. What? <laughs> and I'm not even just thinking of it in terms of dating, because I can I can appreciate older practical effects still. I love old movies, and I'm fine with that. But the thing about Fury Road is that you you have people that you want to passionately root for in that movie. And I will say I didn't root for Max at the beginning of Fury Road right, right away. Uh, but I eventually did. But right away, you want to root for Furiosa, who's trying to help these women. And more importantly, the antagonist in Fury Road is so evil. And you need a good antagonist. And there was no good antagonist in this movie. Like, Tina Turner's supposed to be the antagonist. And I guess she's not a good person, but no one really is in this world. And she's not, by, by any stretch of the word, the the worst person. <laughs> like, she's not that horrible yeah like for someone who has risen to a position of power in this post-apocalyptic world tina turner's probably as nice as you're gonna get yeah she's not a like the worst leader she's not a good leader i would say we wouldn't want her today but in this kind of world she does a lot better than a lot of other people would yeah i mean yeah she needs to take the time to learn how pig shit works. But other than that, I mean, she's got a good thing. You just like her because her laws rhyme. Absolutely. Why would you not like that? Adorable. Uh, so that would be my main complaint. Fury Road gave me people to love, gave me people to hate. In Thunderdome, there was no one I loved and there was no one I hated. I was just indifferent to everyone, I guess. I think the only character I was really rooting for was Pig Killer, to be honest. What about the monkey? Meh, the monkey was fine. <laughs> so what was your favorite part of the movie? Uh, I guess the Thunderdome. <laughs> and you don't even like fighting in movies, really. I don't. But it was like they tried being a little bit more creative with it. But I, I think I just liked the idea of Barter Town. Again, like in, in Fury, Road, Fury Road, I wanted more information about the little town that was there. And I kind of wanted more more in barter town just the politics of it and see how it works and runs i found i found that much more interesting what was your favorite part 
I liked when Savannah was telling the story, kind of like the history of the the walker, and she was kind of they they have this uh, big wreck like wooden rectangle that they hold up that they kind of tell the story through, almost as if the people watching are watching it in a little television, which I found just adorable. <laughs> It was cute, but also didn't make any sense <laughs> for the time. They wouldn't know what TV was, so. Yeah, absolutely not. But so cute. <laughs> so how did this movie age? In terms of appearance, I think it aged fine, to be honest. Um, in terms of plot, I don't think it was ever good. <laughs> <laughs> how about you? I do love the classic stapy, the classic staples of an 80s movie mm. with the awesome synth music, the the classic costumes of what they thought a futuristic kind of post-apocalypse thing would look like. A lot of, lot of leather, a lot of mohawks, <laughs> a lot of football pads, a lot of like shoulder <laughs> pads that, that are just kind of painted over. I don't think we were supposed to recognize them as football pads. <laughs> And they shouldn't look like football pads. I did like how at one point um, you kind of get a lot of like nameless guards and some of them are definitely women. And I liked how they weren't um, dressed any different differently, really. They had shaved heads. They weren't very feminine. And I, I do. I want that more in movies and books of whenever you have like soldiers or guards that they're just comprised of people, not just men. So I, I did like that little tidbit, I guess. Yeah, like they had a. Uh... I like that they had identical outfits for a lot of the people, mm-hmm. and they were out. You, you know, you'd see a you'd see like a really jacked female guard in like these really like kind of leotard type outfits, but then right next to them would be a jacked male guard wearing that same fucking <laughs> leotard. Yeah, everyone was kind of half dressed, which makes it you're in the fucking desert, like it's hot. <laughs> I don't know why they're wearing leather though. I guess it's protective, you know, but also it's only protecting like. 14% of their body. <laughs> I didn't see a single person apply sunscreen. <laughs> They're all quite tan. Um, okay, so how would you rate Mad Max Beyond the Thunderdome? I would rate this four masters and two blasters. Oh, boy. I would rate it Tina Turner. And that's it, <laughs> which sounds like a very good rating. That does sound like a good rating. <laughs> it just means I liked Tina Turner. So I will rate it Tina Turner minus Mel Gibson, I guess. Mm, fair. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to a series of unfortunate sequels. I have a YouTube channel where I drink a lot of wine and talk about books called The Tea Hags. And you can find me on Twitter at teahag underscore Rebecca. So until next time, watch the best and save the rest for us. Good job. Honey. Deuces. Oh. <laughs>